Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and today we've got a great show for you today. Later in the show, we're going to be reviewing Werewolf by Night, the latest Marvel property that is more of a special than it is anything else. A standalone one-off film from director Michael Giacchino, who has scored so many things of late that you would probably know, most notably of uh, recently Thor Love and Thunder and then also the Batman from earlier this year. It's a little unique, minor review, uh, but I do think it is worth talking about, so we're going to touch on it a little bit later in the show. As far as news, we've got Mike Flanagan uh, getting a Guinness World Record for his latest series, um, The Midnight Club, on Netflix that is currently streaming. We've got some local news later in the show about a local, it's not really a local cinema chain, it's the Alamo Draft House, but locally they are closing one of their locations and shuttering their doors due to the lasting impact of COVID-19, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we've got some release date shuffling around with Disney and 20th Century Studios that we'll touch on a little later in the episode. And then also, we are going to get into the box office projection for Halloween Ends, which is really interesting this week. You guys had a lot to say over on Twitter, and I can't wait to dive into some of those small minor details and uh, let you all know what um, ultimately you decided that Halloween Ends was maybe going to make this weekend. So we'll touch on that a little later in the show. And then finally, we'll cover all the new releases this week um, and tell you what you can watch this weekend if you are not seeing Halloween ends. Maybe you are seeing Halloween ends, but you, you know, you've planned a whole spooky weekend and you want a bunch of recommendations. We got those for you later in the episode. So stay tuned, everyone. But without further ado, let's get into the news. If you would like to support our show, consider joining the crew by subscribing to our Patreon. Every dollar counts towards commission for our contributors and improving our network. Membership to our Patreon grants you different perks, depending on what part of the crew you opt into. If you're someone who likes behind-the-scenes content, our director's crew has access to a close friends group on Instagram, as well as a Discord server and, of course, Twitter circles. Meanwhile, the producer crew's gifted discounted merch codes and exclusive video discussions, reviews, and vlogs. For executive producers that go above and beyond, we send a little special care package their way as a way to say thanks. Whether you're looking to gain early access to video content or listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Close Up with the Borough Reviews, you can find it all on our Patreon page. Membership is a critical metric that we use to indicate the success of our network, and we know that we can count on you for some support. Head over to patreon.com slash theboroughreviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. This week's headlines come from Variety, Collider, The Hollywood Reporter, and KMTV. Mike Flanagan has faced his worst fear, the jump scare. The Midnight Mass and Haunting of Hill House Mastermind packed 21 separate instances of the classic horror trope into the premiere of his latest Netflix series, The Midnight Club, 
a tally so high it actually breaks the Guinness World Record for the most scripted jump scares in a single television episode. A Guinness World Record official presented Flanagan and company with their certificate for the achievement during the Midnight Club's New York Comic Con panel, which included a preview of the premiere episode ahead of the TV show's Friday launch last week. Flanagan told reporters during a press conference that, quote, This is particularly important to me because I hate jump scares and I think they are the worst. My whole career, people have been like, put more jump scares in, and then do them faster. Based on the work of young adult horror author Christopher Pike, The Midnight Club is set at a hospice for terminally ill young adults where eight patients come together every night at midnight to tell each other stories and make a pact that the next of them to die will give the group a sign from beyond. And if that doesn't excite you, Hollywood legend Keanu Reeves is thinking about directing Netflix's film adaptation of Berserker, a comic book about an immortal warrior fighting through the ages. Collider's own Steven Weintraub sat down with Berserker writers and creators Reeves and Matt Kint, as well as artist Ron Garney to discuss the franchise's future. During the interview, Reeves confessed that he hadn't read Matt Tomlin's script yet, but that he was considering directing the adaptation of his best-selling comic himself. First published in 2021 after a successful Kickstarter campaign, Berserker is an epic tale that impressed critics and readers alike. The highly cinematic and action-filled story features a warrior that looks just like Reeves beating people to a pulp in different moments in history. The comic book was bound to get a film adaptation, and last year Netflix announced that it would transform Berserker into a live-action movie and an animated series with two seasons. Surprising no one, the live-action film will star Reeves in the leading role. There's no release date for the Berserker movie or the animated series, so stay tuned. Coming on the heels of the Blade shakeup, Disney has made a number of moves to its release calendar. Mahershala Ali's Blade has moved to September 6, 2024, back from its November 3, 2023 date, which comes as the feature looks for a new director after splitting with filmmaker Bassam Tariq. The untitled Deadpool 3 is moving to November 8, 2024, back from September 6th. The film stars Ryan Reynolds and has lured Hugh Jackman out of retirement as Wolverine. Fantastic Four has been pushed back several months to February 14, 2025, and Avengers Secret Wars, the culmination of Marvel's multiverse saga, has moved to May 1, 2026, back from November 7th of the previous year. The crossover event is in search of a director, and its move means Marvel no longer has two Avengers films debuting six months apart. Disney has made several other changes to its calendar, with Searchlight's Chevalier dated for April 7, 2023. Haunting in Venice, Kenneth Branagh's latest Agatha Christie adaptation opens September 15, 2023, and The Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the latest in the long-running Apes franchise, is now slotted for May 24, 2024. Michelle Yeoh and Pete Davidson have boarded Transformers Rise of the Beasts, the seventh installment of the Paramount Pictures franchise based on Hasbro's Transformers and inspired by the popular 1990s Beast Wars property. The sequel is currently set for June 9, 2023, after being pushed back a year by pandemic-era production delays. The film will be partially set in Brooklyn, New York, and will go to Peru, among many other locations, and if you are wondering about Denis Villeneuve's sequel to Dune, part two is going to hit theaters two weeks early in November 2023. 
and the sequel plans to tackle the second half of Frank Herbert's seminal 1965 novel, with Paul Atreides teaming with the Freeman to free the desert planet of Arrakis. And in a bit of shocking local news, there's one less spot to see movies in Omaha, Nebraska after Alamo Midtown announced its closure late Sunday night. In a post on Facebook, the business said Sunday was their final day of screenings and the closure is due to the lasting impact related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Alamo Midtown thanked moviegoers and team members past and present for making memories over the last few years. And that concludes this week's news update. Hey, we have our own YouTube channel. That's where we upload video reviews of the latest TV shows and movies, stream some gaming content on occasion, and just recently we've started doing in-depth video essay analysis. We have a goal to reach 400 subscribers by the end of the year, and right now we are about 300 subs away from reaching that goal. We'd like to celebrate by doing something special for our followers if we reach our goal, and we'll rely on you to help us decide what we end up doing. To find us, simply go to youtube.com slash Reviews. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a like and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, everyone, let's dive into Werewolf by Night. This is Michael Giacchino's feature directorial debut. He's done a couple shorts in the past, and you may know Michael Giacchino from a few things of late. He has composed music in the latest blockbusters, including Lightyear, Thor Love and Thunder, Jurassic World Dominion, and The Batman. Werewolf by Night follows a lycanthrope superhero who fights evil using his abilities that have been given to him through his bloodline. Now let's start off our review here on the Burrow Reviews into the Burrow Podcast by going over the Rotten Tomato score, which I know that many people have a problem with, and it's not the fact that we take it like it's God's word or anything, but we do have this feeling and this need to kind of go over what the critics are saying and then give you a brief snapshot into what audiences are saying. So right now on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it has a 91% among critics and a 93% audience score with over a thousand ratings, which is a pretty big deal. The critics reviews are only sitting at 87 currently, so not many people have watched it or at least reviewed it. Um, but I'm going to briefly like give you a snapshot into what some of the popular critics or the top critics on Rotten Tomatoes are saying. Dylan Roth of The Observer says, Werewolf by Night is a charming tribute not only to the pulpy horror comics on which it's based, but to the scary and silly classic cinema that a generation of film lovers grew up watching late at night on local television. Now, obviously, that was a pretty fresh review. Helena O'Hara from Empire Magazine also gives it a fresh review, saying, Not quite as toothsome as one might hope, but no howler either. This is a thin, fun Marvel outing that hints at bigger monster business to come. Alex Mady at Joe Blow's Movie Network says, A successful genre exercise, Werewolf by Night is a bloody romp that respects the horror movies that it inspired. It blazes a new direction for the MCU that opens up a lot of possibilities. 
Robbie Cullen of the Daily Telegraph gives it a rotten review, saying splits the difference between a feature and a half-hour TV episode and manages to feel both draggy and slight in the process. Josh Stevenson of Metro.co.uk says, Werewolf by Night is no grand sea change in the Marvel formula, and although it's pleasant enough as a tribute to the movies of Boris Karloff and company, it doesn't come close to surpassing them. Ironically, it just doesn't have enough bite. And obviously, right there, you see all the critics making the werewolf dog-biting jokes. Uh, it's always fun to see those. It's like one of my least favorite things about crit <laughs> like film criticism, specifically. Um, one of the few things that I can point to and just kind of cringe at all the time. So, uh, you're wondering my thoughts. And I do have some thoughts. First of all, it definitely feels like a monster movie, but it's able to retain a lot of the DNA of what's been done in Marvel in the past. And what I mean by that is you get this kind of balance between like a like a Karloff film, as the last critic was saying. Um, but beyond that, you also get hints of kind of that playfulness that Marvel has been come to known for. Um, and I think that playfulness is a little bit of a detriment to what they're doing in Werewolf by Night a few times, but it does feel very much like it's retaining its Marvel DNA. And for some people, that's really going to be important, and that's going to be the driving factor of it. Um, it does have really beautiful, like, black and white photography at times. Um, you know, often it can seem pretty senseless, and it, it feels like it's just capturing nostalgia that one might have for i don't know like hammer films or you know any anything that came in the early 40s 50s 60s era and at the same time i feel as if the the aspects that really make it work um are where it's able to kind of let go of its marvel dna a little bit and just go full hammer film um and, and, you know, embrace the monster movie nature that's at heart in the script. Giacchino really has some beautiful compositions here that he kind of lays out. Uh, there's a couple of silhouette shots that specifically are happening during transformation that uh, I kind of I can't get enough of. Um, when I think about this movie in particular, I often think, especially like when friends are coming up to me and they're asking me, you know, have, have I watched it yet? What do I think of it? And I've been giving them the same response, which is, you know, there are a few shots in there that are really, really juicy and, and give new meaning and life to the Marvel properties. But I don't think that they've embraced that nearly enough, but specifically when we're talking about, you know, the, the silhouette shots of the transformation that our main character has, uh, as he's transforming, um, it may feel a little bland at times, but usually it's always engaging, touching on the human connection that creatures have, but it doesn't really explore more of that theme at all. It kind of just, it kind of presents itself through its natural, like logical, like progression in the story, but it never comes to fruition more than that. There's never an additional thematic element to this that really bites at all. And and that's something I was really missing here. And there there I go. I was making fun of the critics earlier and there I just did it myself. Um uh that was completely unintentional. Uh Giacchino's score is really great in the movie itself. Um you know there are definitely classic nods to kind of what you would expect from a movie 
that's kind of drawing on that era of filmmaking. And it's really like, again, if you're a Marvel fan and you've been dying for something new to sink your teeth into, uh, there we go. Um, did it again. Um, (laughs) but if you, if you're a Marvel fan really, and you have been just wishing that they would go back to that WandaVision nature of Marvel. And what I mean by that is WandaVision very much fits into the Marvel universe, but it was able to forge its own path. And I feel like Giacchino and company here do the same thing. And what makes it even more exciting, in my opinion, is that it's exactly what it you know says it is, which is a Marvel special. Like this isn't going anywhere outside of this. You know, we may see hints of it in the future. Um, but as of right now, it's a very self-contained story within the universe. And while it feels embedded in that universe, specifically when we talk about the bloodstone in the movie and kind of what that does and what that means and its visual flair that it has even, it does feel very reminiscent of Marvel, but there's enough here to separate it. And that's what makes this really interesting. Um, I want to see more like this. You know, I really do. Uh, because everyone here in the movie is so like engaging to watch and to see how the story unfolds, even though at a certain point you kind of know where it's going. And I feel like that's true with most Marvel properties and most Marvel shows specifically, but the means by which we get to that end, uh, are pretty satisfying. So if you're sitting down on a crisp Halloween night and you're looking for something to do. The kids are in bed. You know, they've they've gone trick-or-treating for the night. And you're kind of just waiting to, you know, wind down and relax a little bit. This might be something to throw on. Like, uh, I really do think that it has some merit on its own just from being in the Marvel Universe and, and taking that swing to do something new. Uh, it's not something that you have to prioritize by any means. I wouldn't say, like, if you want to watch other things, feel free to go ahead and, and do so. But um, I would say like it is worth your time if you can get around to it and you're a Marvel fan. Uh, Laura Donnelly, who plays Elsa, is just so fucking great in this. Like I can't stress enough how much of an action star she really is because there are a couple of moments in here where I was like, oh, God damn, she's, she's just like kicking everyone's ass. And I, I really liked it. Um, I also really liked Harriet Sampson Harris in here. Um, she plays kind of this matriarchal figure in the in the bloodstone household and the way that she's able to just capture and really demand that camera like front and center on her at all times is i think one of the greatest parts of the show something that i would have liked to see a little bit more is really flesh out the rest of the cast and give them something more to do than to just try and go after this stone right like uh, I'm not going to give too much of the plot away, but like literally like their motivation is so like paper thin, I feel like. And I feel like Giacchino probably could have done more with that. So I'm surprised that there isn't more thematic material kind of interwoven in between our existing Marvel DNA. Giacchino directed and scored this movie but zoe white on the cinematography i think is where the project really shines and i just wanted to shout out uh white there because she really does some incredible work overall i would say again if you want to see it go ahead uh don't by any means if you don't want to rush out 
and see it. You don't have to, but I do think it is worth your time, especially if you take in that nostalgia that we feel for those old school monster movies that we grew up watching. I, I really do think that it harkens back to those in a nice way while retaining its Marvel DNA, regardless of the fact that I want it to do just a little bit more in terms of storytelling. Um, but you know, that's a minor gripe from the recent Marvel, uh, the recent Marvel like stories that we've gotten of late that have just felt a little bit basic and a little bit um, stiff in terms of uh, authenticity. So I do think that this brings a touch more authenticity to what Marvel is trying to do. But uh, thank you all for listening to my review. Uh, You can find that on Disney Plus streaming right now. I know at this point you've heard a lot about our website, theburrreviews.com, but I wanted to share some of the content that you can expect from us in case you missed it. On our site, you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, feature content, and more covering all types of cinema. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theburrreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company currently residing in Nebraska, we know how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we are there to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll be able to find a list of submission guidelines on the page, but note that not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, but we welcome all types of motion pictures, short films, and music videos. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. Over on Box Office Pro, our long-range box office forecast puts Halloween Ends in the three-day high-low range of 37 to $47 million, which is fairly high considering the movie will be basically streaming day and date on Peacock and in theaters at the same time. Uh, obviously, we're in the Halloween season, so I imagine a lot of people are actually probably going to go out to the movie theaters, and they took that gamble of putting it both on Peacock and in theaters, I think for a couple of different reasons. It could be the fact that Halloween Kills and Halloween 2018, although Halloween Kills more so, is not necessarily the critical darling that everyone thought that that David Gordon Green's trilogy would be. And so I wonder if the mixed reactions to Halloween Kills have anything to do with the fact of the day and date release. Nonetheless, Halloween Ends is set to make anywhere between 37 to 47 million. And we took to Twitter to ask you guys what you thought Halloween Kills would make this weekend at the box office. And by all means, you responded. So let's get into some of the polling data here. Um, Okay, so I had a few different options this week. We had 30 million, 35, 40, and 45 million. So five increments, you know, increments of five. And uh, 16.9% of you all on Twitter voted for 30 million, 10.2% for 35 million, 11.9% for 40 million, and a whopping 61% voting for 45 million. So obviously most of the Twitter audience here is assuming that Halloween Kills is actually going to top the high and low range that Box Office Pro has put forth. Um, maybe even, I, I, I almost wonder if I would have put 50 million there, how many people would have voted for that. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, it very well could, you know, 
between word of mouth if people end up really liking it although early you know reactions have been quite mixed but you know maybe if the general audience actually likes this film it's a it's going to have legs because again it's halloween in the halloween season so that just makes sense but you know it might also have an influx of people if it's getting really positive reactions especially in the first two days you know so thursday uh, premiere night and then friday opening and i almost wonder if a lot of people are liking it after and the reaction's good after they see it on those two nights if you don't see an influx of that saturday night um, box office uh and you see a, a lot of people flocking to the theater to go you know experience that really spooky kind of gut-wrenching movie that halloween ends and this i guess this whole trilogy that david gordon green has you know uh has built um people are interested when it comes to those types of things if you are able to successfully get your movie to a be marketed properly but b to put it in a perfect release window and obviously with the with the whole title and the whole property being halloween this is the perfect time for it and it may thrive and do better than 45 million and better than anyone could have ever thought including the long range forecast from box office pro so i'll be curious to see what it eventually does i do think personally that we're probably going to hit somewhere between 40 and 45 although i don't know that it will it will surpass those numbers just because of the day and date release uh calendar um but you know who knows it could it could we'll have to wait and see but i can't wait to talk about it next week Obviously, there was nothing in theaters last week, so we didn't even do any sort of projection, so I don't need to cover any of those numbers. So without further ado, uh, that is all for your box office projection for this week. Now let's get into the new releases. For new movie releases this week in cinemas, of course we have the big juggernaut Halloween Ends, David Gordon Green's final entry into his trilogy with Laurie Strode, a.k.a. Jamie Lee Curtis, returning for the last time. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Um, I'll be curious to know what you all think. So if you've seen it, if you go out and watch it opening night, or even if you tend to watch it uh, on streaming, go ahead and let me know what you think of that movie because I am curious to know what everyone thinks. For TV, the big release this week seems to be in the form of the Winchesters season one, which is the prequel to Supernatural that tells the story of how John and Mary Winchester fell in love as they fought demons with fellow hunters. And for video games this week, there isn't too much, although you have PGA Tour 2K23 and you also have NHL 23. Uh, so if you're wanting to get your hockey or golf fix in, you can buy those currently for this weekend, or you can get everyone else's pick, uh, which is Scorn. It's an upcoming first-person survival horror game by Ebb Software that takes visual inspirations from the likes of H.R. Geiger, and the game releases soon, and by soon I mean this weekend, and Scorn is focused on environmental storytelling with a slower, more methodical gameplay approach. According to the team, there are no cutscenes and every bit of storytelling happens in-game. The area you'll be traveling is a techno-organic hellscape, where the technology of the world fuses with organic masses, including your own. It's structured like a dungeon, and intended to be maze-like. From what we've seen so far, much of your time running through this labyrinth will be spent avoiding enemies while finding organic parts of the world in order to help you progress. 
Scorn releases for PC and will also be available for Xbox Series X and Game Pass, so if you have Game Pass, this might be the perfect way to spend Halloween. I hope you enjoyed the short news flash episode today with the Werewolf by Night review. We are going to have a lot of content coming your way in the next week. Reddit Stories has been filmed and is currently being edited, and we hope to have that out next week. We also will have episode 8 and 9 of our review for House of the Dragon next Monday, uh, so don't miss that over on... You can find it basically anywhere. TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, it's everywhere for you. And then also coming this weekend, hopefully in the next couple of days, by Saturday night, we will have our Halloween Ends review. Me and Linda uh, are going to sit down and we're going to review that movie and tell you all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I hope that you'll stick around uh, for that this weekend. If you're a fan of horror, we hope to do some other obscure horror reviews this month. Uh, If you didn't know about it, we do have our Halloween 1978 commentary live right now on patreon.com slash the Burr Reviews. So if you go there and you sign up for the executive producer tier, you can get that instantly. It's our full film commentary. It's kind of a watch along so you can start the movie and listen along with us as we watch it. Um, it was really fun to do, and I plan to do that monthly for the executive producer tier over on Patreon. So uh, head over there to check that out. I don't have anything else to plug other than please, please, please subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Um, we are approaching 200 subscribers, which is really exciting because all it took was me putting out a Better Call Saul video. Um, and I really want to hit 200 if I can by the end of the month. I think it's very, very possible. Um, and I would like to. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, head over to youtube.com backslash the Burr Reviews. And uh, yeah, all the content on there, uh, there's so much of it. A lot of it's horror-centric, so this is the perfect time to subscribe. We're probably going to do some more um, broad things that aren't uh, in the horror genre specifically. Uh, I will do a video essay over Halloween Kills ends and Halloween 2018 that'll kind of be a good, bad, and ugly kind of look at the franchise and some of the things that they got right and some of the things that they got horribly wrong, um, which I plan on doing. But uh, I also I also plan to do more video essays like that. You seem to like the Better Call Saul one, and I want to keep putting them out. So um, I'm currently kind of plotting and scheming a topic for November, but I do plan on doing one of those every month. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I have to plug. Thank you everyone for listening. Once again, I, I love sitting down to talk about all my favorite things and, uh, kind of what's on everyone's radar for the week in the world, in the world of entertainment, um, movies, TV, streaming, all of it. Um, super fun to me and I love keeping up with everything. I've watched so many things over the past two weeks. The Hocus Pocus 2 movie, you know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I gotta say, I watched it. I sat down. I was reluctant, but uh, I found I found myself enjoying it. And then, you know, just in terms of like watching things, I rewatched Freddy versus Jason for the first time in I don't know how many years. And uh, that movie's a whole lot of fun. And I kind of forgot how how much fun it actually was. So there's a there's a lot of things to watch. Uh, I just implore you to do your best, live your best spooky life. I implore you to do it. Um, this is. This is our season for people who love fall and Halloween, so try and make the most of it if you can. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Take care.